Uh, thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning. You guys doing good? You look good. Um, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Just go raise your hand and I'll call on you. What are you thankful for? Grace. Grace. That's good. Being alive. We're going to talk about that. What else? Being saved. Being saved. We'll talk about that one too. Kess. I I know. That is so awesome. We got that. We prayed for that on Tuesday. We got it in the prayer. We did. We did that on the staff meeting. I was like, this is a first. Somebody's been attacked by a crocodile. Well, praise God. Tess, you've got another one. Do you mind sharing your, your other testimony about your kid? Bless you guys. All right. Thank you. All right, a couple more. Teresa. A roof over your head. All right. Um, two more on healing. Who's been healed? Sean, share that. Uh-huh. Praise God. Yeah. All right. Who has been healed without even praying and asking God for it? Do we have any of those? And you didn't even ask for it, did you? Yeah. All right, Cass, I'll let you go again, honey. That's good. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, the chapter 5. We'll start at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you, in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them to the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, 
but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Here's the, here's the heart of it. 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And there's the, there's the tough one right there. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ. You ever wonder what God's will is? This is one case where the Bible tells us what God's will is for your life. It's for you to give thanks. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. All right, so this is the scripture that we're going to be getting into today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your sweet presence that was ushered in this morning through praise, through rejoicing, through acknowledging who you are and your very nature is that you are good. That you are a good God. Father, right now, I just pray that we will turn our hearts towards you, towards your character, towards your nature, nature and how you want us to be in relationship to one another. Give us a thankful heart. Minister to us now. Teach us to minister to you. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. So this is a, this is a difficult verse because it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Every circumstance that you're possibly in, you have to take on this thankful heart. And it, it, it's hard, Right? Because are you really thankful for the circumstance that you're in right now? Chances are you're not. If you're in a really difficult time, you're sick, you're losing your, your house, you don't have a job, your relationships are kind of falling apart, it's very difficult to be thankful in that situation. And... God calls us to do it anyway. So we're going really, we're gonna, to we're gonna pry this thing open. We're going to look at it because this thankful heart, not only is it God's will, but it's actually, it is the key to true relationship with the Lord. It is the key to your prosperity and your provision in life. It's the key to undoing the works of the devil. Thanksgiving is so central to our faith. And on your outline, thanksgiving is, it's a lifestyle. That's why I started at verse 12, because Paul is talking about living together, being nice to each other, and, and you know, giving authority where authorities do, and respect, doing life together. And then he goes right into this thankful thing. Thankfulness is a lifestyle, and it's not a holiday. It's not reserved for just Thanksgiving Day. And I think you guys probably understand that. But we're actually blessed in this country that it's unique. Thanksgiving is only it's an American holiday. We had enough foresight to see that, that this attitude, this thankful heart is so important to prosperity and prosperity for our country that we need to make a, we need to make a day of it. We need, we need to turn it into a festival. 
And it's a blessing for our country, and we need to see it that way. And we need to see it as this thing that brings us into God's presence. Okay? All right. A thankful spirit is key because it, it defines and establishes our relationship with our Father, with God. You can't, you can't have um, this interaction with God the way that he designed us without first thanking God, without having that thankful spirit. Uh, Psalms 104, is, it, it's, it's the key to this whole thing. It's the key to connecting with God. And it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and into his courts with praise. Okay, what's he saying? Okay, so in your mind's eye, just, just okay, you could just use this campus. So in your mind's eye, when you, when you drive into the campus, well, you can't drive in right now because we have it blocked off, but um, we, <laughs> if you came down below, you entered in through the gate, and it will be an actual, what, what gate is it, by the way? Did we just, what's that? The gate. The gate, all right. So, you know, in a couple of weeks, the, the gate will actually be up down there, the, the ancient gate that we build. But uh, you enter in through that gate with thanksgiving. In your heart, it's an inside job. It is, it's subjective, meaning that you have to be thankful internally and not based on your circumstances. Most of us are thankful when things go well, and that's an outside job. But he's very specific. You enter, in, you enter in the gates with thanksgiving in your heart. That's the first and most important step with connecting with God. And then you, you enter into his courts, or you could say, you know, this sanctuary with praise. And what that means is that, that you are, you're getting that inside job out. You're expressing your gratitude towards the Lord. You're, you're being thankful. You are praising God, and you're, you're saying, okay, my thankfulness that is an internal job, I am now getting it out, and I'm, and I'm, I'm praising you. I'm rejoicing you. So that is, those are the first steps to, to being in true relationship with God. First, it's got to be thankful and not based on your circumstances. And second, it needs and has to be expressed. So you enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Give me a second to get there. So this one's kind of important. So you could probably skip all the other verses, but if you've got your Bibles, turn to this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the, blood, in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break a partition in the body of Christ. And what's he saying here? Now, I have the NIV version, and if you have the NASB or the, the King James, New King James, or probably any other version, it might say um, the cup of blessing. Does anybody says that, the cup of blessing? All right, so you, some of you have, have that translation. Um, I'll give you my NIV bias. This is probably closer to the truth. It's probably a closer translation of what it means. And we actually, 
the funny thing about worship today is I touched bases with Doug yesterday, and I said, can you sing this song and this song? And, uh, and he said, yeah, because I already got it in my set list. So he's already, he already prepared it. And one of them, you know, is, uh, you, know, uh, you know, bless the Lord. And my wife and I got into a debate a while back about this because when she prays, uh, you know, she you know, says, Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless you. And I'm just thinking to myself, that doesn't make any sense. Why does God need me to bless him? I mean, he's not, it's not like he's one of the, the Greek gods in the pantheon who relies on our prayers for their power. God is all-powerful. He has all the power of the universe in him. He, he's not reliant on your prayers to juice him up. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to bless him, but the scriptures are very clear that, that we are to bless the name of the Lord. Why? Is it for his benefit? No, it's for our benefit. It is for us to align our hearts and our minds to think of the things of the Lord and specifically get our attitudes right in the areas of thankfulness, of gratitude, of what the Lord has done for us. And so when we, when we worship and when we say, Lord, I bless your name, the way that it really should come across is, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you thanks. I'm giving you blessing. I'm, I'm honoring what you have done in my life. Does that make sense? I, I'm acknowledging your blessings on me. I, I'm giving thanks. So is not this cup of thanksgiving for which we participate, uh, we give thanks, a participation in the body of Christ. So this is, thank you. So the very essence of thankfulness, it gets us into the body and the blood of Christ. It is, it is the spiritual lifestyle that we have to adopt. We have to be thankful more than we gripe about stuff. And we'll get into that near the end, okay? All right, uh, Luke chapter 21. Oh, turn that off, unless it's Jesus. Oh. And it's not pastor, so. so Jesus has gone off before. All right, um, Luke 21, verse 4. All these things people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. So this, this gratitude, this grateful heart, it, um, it comes out of your need. You, you have to get your, yourself to a place where you're, you're giving out of your need. When there's pain in the offering. All right. A thankful spirit will also give us gifts. We, when we have this thankful spirit, that is when we receive the gifts of the Lord. Now, we've all been given gifts by God. The air that you're breathing is a gift that, that has been given to you by God. Uh, we have a set of spiritual gifts that has been given to us by God. Um, 
You might not even realize it, but God has got a gift for you, and it could be, I don't know, it could be the job, it could be the healing, it could be a number of different things, and it's kind of sitting there waiting for you. I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter, as you guys all know, and she's at this point where she doesn't appreciate the gifts that we give her anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you know this feeling? This is so frustrating. Um, we spend, you know, Mako and I, we'll, we'll spend, well, Mako spends more time on gift giving and things like that than I do. I'll just get you a gift card and, yeah. But let's just get Sophia a gift card. That way she can get whatever she wants. Let's just give her an envelope with some cash in it. Yeah, that's when she's 13, huh? But, you know, Mako, well, not I, but Mako spends a considerable amount of time uh, and thought and effort and money in getting our child the perfect gift or something that she would like to get. And it's really disheartening when she opens up that gift and she's like, ah, and then she goes up to the next one. And it's like, okay, so we understand the age, so it doesn't hurt our feelings that bad, but it is a little, dis, you know, a little frustrating. But think about, you know, think about uh, hypothetically, just think about Christmas time, and, and you, you've spent all this time getting gifts for everyone, and, uh, you know, you got a bunch of rotten kids. You got a bunch of spoiled brats. And, uh, you know, you got one kid that's kind of, throwing a temper tantrum in the corner, doesn't even bother opening up his gifts. You got another kid that, that you got the little infant kid that opens up this $75 super toy with lights and gizmos and gadgets, and it's going to increase their IQ by 100%. And uh, they end up playing with the box instead, <laughs> right? You know, they're like, they just got rid of the, they got rid of the, they push the toy aside. I mean, you've even got the batteries in it, and they're crawling inside the box. And um, and then you get the kid that opens it up and never even bothers. You got the older, mature teenager that opens up the, the, the gift and doesn't even bother looking at the tag to see who it came from. And I see God, every, every good gift, the Bible tells us, comes from the Lord. Any good thing in your life, your house, your education, your ability to make money, that's all from the Lord. And the problem with our spiritual walks, no matter where you're at in life, is that we don't, sometimes we don't even bother to open our gifts. A lot of you have spiritual gifts that are dormant because you've never bothered to open them up. You're too busy in the, in the corner and just, I don't know, whining about something. But you're just, you, just have, you have a set of spiritual gifts, and you need to be functioning in them. But you've never bothered to open it up. You've got, uh, <laughs> you've opened up your spiritual gifts, but you're not using them for the right things. You, you've got an amazing gift, and you're misusing it. You're crawling inside the box. You've never been taught. You've never been trained. You don't know how to use your gift. You've never taken the time to invest in yourself spiritually, 
to develop that gift, to learn how to use that gift, to find out what that purpose is, what your purpose is and what the purpose of that gift is. You've never taken the time to figure it out. And then worse yet, you got this big old gift and you think that you gave it to yourself. You think that that big fat gift that, that you gave to yourself, that its purpose is, is, to, is for you, is to make you happy. And, we, and we, 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 you never bothered to look at the tag. The gift's from the Lord. It's not yours. It's his, and he's letting you use it. To not accept gifts, to not open gifts, to misuse gifts, to, to think that, to be too prideful to even accept a gift or to think that it came from someone else or that it came from your creator, it, to, to, to have that attitude, it, it's, it's not only unthankfulness, it's arrogance at best. And it could be down an outright rebellion against God. And we can easily have this attitude and the only way that we can change is to repent from that thought pattern. This is not mine. This is from the Lord. This gift, I need to use it. I need to, I need to train myself. I need to strengthen myself in the Lord. I gotta get this, I gotta get this going. At, at best, it's arrogance. Arrogance does not receive gifts and that is where the heart, the hardened heart comes from that will not function inside of thankfulness. And you can't get into God's presence with that arrogant attitude that says, I don't need gifts. You just don't, I'm not going to receive it from you. And we do this in our own Christian, within the body we do this. You try to compliment somebody, you try to honor somebody, and you know, they'll say stuff like, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. You know, it was all Jesus. No, it wasn't. I mean, you, just, you need to receive that gift. Don't try and back out of somebody trying to bless you. Okay? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. All this is for all this is for your benefit that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow. So all the gifts that you have been given is for your benefit, right? That's what the word says. So the gift that you have is for your benefit. It is to prosper you. It is to encourage you. It is to grow you. It is to allow you to live a life and live it to the fullest. But it doesn't just end there, does it? For reaching more and more people. So your gift is for your benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others. If you're not benefiting others with your gifts, problem there, isn't there? And what's the end result that causes thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will resort, result, result in thanksgiving to God. 
Thanksgiving also undoes the work of the devil. Okay, Pastor just uh, told you that the kid packs are, uh, it's, a, it's a statement in the spiritual realm. It's, a, it's, a, it's spiritual warfare. It's not a backpack. It's not, you know, nice little things for kids. It is that. But more importantly, it's, it's, it's a bullet. It's a spiritual warfare bullet. It undoes poverty. And poverty is the number one thing the enemy uses to oppress God's people, to oppress God's children. He uses poverty to take away dignity from people. Okay? Thankfulness undoes the work of the devil. How so? All right. This is going to be tricky. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Pastor talked about that last week. You should get the tape. And things taught by demons. Such, such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Those consciousness have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. Okay, the food thing is actually key. To abstain from certain foods, which God created, God creates all good things, to be received with, what? Thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Nothing's to be rejected unless it's received with thanksgiving. Interesting. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. All right, I'll stop there. What's the point that Paul's trying to make? What he's talking about here is a very interesting situation. He's, uh, he's in an environment that is filled with superstition and old, old wives' tales. And it's just not, a, it's a difficult place to do ministry because um, they're spiritually charged people. And they're coming out of traditions where spirituality is a big deal. And so what, what, the, what the conflict is, is they've got, they're eating food that has been dedicated to evil spirits, other gods. You know, it, the food, it's an object, but it, it, it holds some spiritual property, some negative spiritual property to it. Because it has been offered to idols. It's been offered to demons. Okay? And... What Paul does here is very interesting. He, he doesn't discount the, the essence of the objects, the food specifically. He doesn't say, ah, um, oh, it's all, that's a superstition, it's all wife cell, it's all in your mind. There's nothing evil about the food at all. Just forget about the fact that it's, you know, it, that it's been offered to demons and stuff. Just forget about that. It's, not, it's, all, it's, all, it's all make-believe. Don't worry about it. He actually doesn't do that. Um, you know, in the, in the antique business, uh, you are, often you come across objects that give you the heebie-jeebies. All right? I don't know how else to say it. There's just like juju on the stuff. And, it, and it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. That's weird. Okay? This is the same situation is going on with, with this area of food. They have um, a, a superstitious attitude towards the food. They don't want to touch it because they think it's evil. And the people that are teaching this are the deceivers. It sounds true. You have, you have these false teachers that are teaching lies and deception saying, don't eat that food because it's evil. Don't touch it. It's evil. Don't even go there. It's evil. 
And Paul says, yeah, it's evil, but I know how to undo it. And you undo it with thankfulness. So the thank offering, I don't have time to get into the thank offering, but the thank offering is this offering given to the Lord of something. It could be an object. It could be food. Or, I mean, that sounds weird, but, but the idea of it is, is whatever the blood gets sprinkled on is sanctified. It's set, a, set apart. And this thank offering makes that thing good again. Interesting thought to think about. So, you know, every once in a while we get some weird object in the thrift store. You know, pastor will throw it away. Uh, I'll try to look it up on eBay to see how much it's worth. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll be digging in the dumpster trying to get it out, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know, this is bad, isn't it? The, the things, like, things like this happen around here. Um, what Paul is saying, he's saying, don't throw it away. Let me use it for my glory. I can transform that thing. Now, I mean, that might not apply to certain objects that are obscene, right? A Ouija boards, pornography, things like that, they need to go in the dumpster, right? But everything that God makes is good. We take what God has made to be good and we twist it, and the devil does it too. We twist it, we distort it, and we make it something ugly. And it is this thank offering, it's the sprinkling of the blood that makes it sanctified. And that's what happens to you. You are, the, the definition of sanctified is being set apart. And a lot of us are twisted and warped and we belong in the trash. And he, he comes and he gets us out. And he, his, his goal, his intention, his purpose for us is to sanctify us, is to set us apart, is to sprinkle Jesus' blood on us and make us holy again. He doesn't give up on us when we have been offered to demons and when we have, when, when somebody has declared evil on us. He doesn't give up on us. He sanctifies us. He pulls us out. He gets us clean and purified. It undoes all the works of the devil, this spirit of thankfulness, this thankful heart. Why? It's because it, it, it gets us into the God's presence. Um, back to 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in every circumstance. Think about the circumstances that you've been in that have been pure horror. Some of you have experienced pure horror. This is going to be difficult. This is going to be the hardest part of the message. Some of us have been molested. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been hurt. Some of us have been maliciously attacked. Some of us have been abandoned. And what, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances? How in the world am I supposed to thank the Lord for this situation I'm in? It's tough stuff, isn't it? I told you this is going to be the hardest part of the message. And what the Lord wants to do, his purpose, his, 
his plan is for you to have the courage and the strength to pull yourself into a place where you can say, I am thankful that the Lord has delivered me from this situation. I am thankful that it has no more rule and reign over my life anymore. I need to be very clear and make a very specific point. God is not the author of evil. He did not orchestrate you to get hurt. God is good. That's the very nature of his essence. He is good. And we have to get that into our, into our heads. But his desire is to take that horror that you experience, and it is, it is his desire for, 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 him, for you to allow him to sanctify it. To where that milestone in your life can be used for the good and the glory of the Lord. He can, he can take any unholy thing and make it holy. He can make it a testimony. And that's what he wants to do. Thanksgiving has the ability to usher in God's justice. God demands justice. He, he will, he's going to get it one way or the other. He's a just God. Okay, if you ever said, God, you're not fair, that's, just not, that's not true. You are believing a lie, and you're agreeing with that lie that God's not fair. It's one of the biggest lies that the enemy of God's ever told us. He is fair, and he is just, and his justice will come to fruition someday. But thankfulness, this thankful heart will, will, will not only undo the works of the devil, but it will show us his justice and what it really looks like. And you might be saying to yourself, this person was unjust and has unjustly hurt me offended me. And with this attitude of thankfulness, again, back to Psalms 104, you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you go further in with praise, with expressing the thanksgiving. And, but inside of, the, inside of these gates, there is no offense. Inside of these gates, there is no horror. Inside of these gates, there is no pain. So what it looks like is God's manifest presence, his glory, his miracles, his provision is larger than any problem or pain or horror that you've ever experienced in life. One of the biggest blocks when we enter in God's presence and when we worship is that um, we, we lose sight of that fact. We're thinking about our problems in life. And whenever you, your, your problems are bigger than your awareness of God's presence, you need to recalibrate your heart back to thankfulness. Your awareness of God's presence needs to be much larger than your issues at hand, than your problems, than the evil, or your past that you haven't let go of yet. It has to be larger than that. Spiritual warfare, this, this stuff is not... Uh, usually we think spiritual warfare, that we're really spiritual, is because we, we can... We, we, 
We see the devil, we see where he's at, we recognize him, and we spend all day yelling at him, reminding us of what he's done to us. That's not spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. That's you losing the battle. The more time that you yell at the devil about the things that he's done to you, you are agreeing with him. He's like, bring it on. I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'll take the time and listen to you complain about this because I, this is what I feed off of. I feed off of your complaints. Spiritual warfare, true spiritual warfare is the advance happens when our focus is on the Lord and not the enemy of God or what the enemy of God has done. Our advance is when we give testimony like we did at the beginning, when we give God praise, when we give God glory, when we give God thanks. That's where, that's where the forcefulness of the kingdom of God advances. That is the advance. That is where we attack the devil of God, or the enemy of God, the devil. That is where we attack him. We attack him by ignoring him, by ignoring what he's done to us. We attack him by acknowledging and agreeing with heaven with that thankful heart that, he's, that God has delivered us from the evil one. All right. I hope that makes sense. Again, thankfulness is key to being in right relationship with God. It, it, it sets the tone for the relationship. And even our degree of what we are, at which we are thankful for and how much we express our thankfulness will determine our spiritual temperature. will determine how much we give back to God, how much God blesses us. The thankful heart has different degrees to it. And hopefully I can illustrate this. I was going to put up pictures, but then I thought it was just too irrelevant. More water, huh? Um, okay, think of in your mind the, the American homeless. It's changing, by the way. It's getting worse. But the, 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 in your mind's eye, the typical American male homeless person, and you've seen him, and he's, you know, he's on the, the freeway. And, you know, again, it's changing. And, and I'm, I'm saying this not to be disrespectful or irreverent or I'm not pointing my fingers. The, the illustration is a spiritual illustration. I'm not going after poverty right now, but it, it, it does apply. But uh, the homeless man that has the spirit of poverty on him, um, he's at a certain level, and um, you, you see him with the sign sometimes that says, uh, I'm just going to be real. I want a beer. Okay, you've seen these signs, right? Like, I, I don't, all, I'm, I'm okay. Obviously, I'm well-fed. I can go to the mission. I can get some food. But what I really would like for you is I would like for you to bless me with a beer. That's what he's saying. Okay? Um, so keep that, that picture in your mind of the American homeless. Spiritual poverty. And then you have the, the Calcutta beggar. Okay, the Calcutta beggar or the African beggar, um, you know, post-Soviet Union, the Soviet beggar, um, is, is different. 
Now, I'm not saying that, that, that those beggars don't fall into those traps of, of drugs and alcohol and things like that. They do. They, they, they actually do, because they, they got to deaden the pain, and they use the substance to deaden the pain uh, at the reality of life. And so, you know, pastor has seen, you know, uh, African kids snorting glue just so they can escape the, 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 the feelings that they, they experienced. We, we, you know, we saw it. We, you just see it. But then there is, there is the beggar that they don't have that sign saying, give me the beer. They've, they don't even have a sign. They're just, they're on, they're on the street. They're laying flat. They're starving to death. And all they do, all they got is they got their hand out saying mercy. They're beyond despair. They don't even want the drug anymore. They just want mercy. This is the condition of our heart. The, the homeless American will thank you for the money that you get so he can get the beer. So there's that thankfulness. But the Calcutta beggar, where he, you save his life, there's a different attitude of thankfulness and gratitude in that. And that is that needs to be the harsh reality of our spiritual souls. That in reality, we are the beggar on the street. We are the Calcutta beggar where our survival, our complete dependency is reliant on one thing and one thing only, and that is the salvation of Jesus Christ. That needs to be our spiritual attitude. Jesus even explains it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The, the thankful are the poor in spirit. Thankful are the ones that are spiritually broken because they can't get into God's presence on their own will. It has to be all me, 100% me. I'm the only thing that can get you there. That needs to be the position of the heart. Whenever we, we have a baptism coming up pretty soon, whenever we baptize, you know, sometimes we baptize kids and we'll, we'll, we'll change the word from, you know, um, will you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And I'll, and I'll change it. I'll say, will you make Jesus the boss of your life? Okay? The reason why we do that is because our culture doesn't understand the concept of Lord anymore. We don't know what it means. You know, we've got Lord of the Rings, and that's about as deep as our understanding of what it means to Lord. And so we'll use the word boss. But if you think about it this way, a lot of us approach our relationship with our head of the Father like he is our boss, but not our Lord. And your boss will give you a raise. Your boss is going to give you a Christmas bonus. And you're going to be, thank you for my Christmas bonus. But you are not dependent on your very existence and your salvation by your boss's actions. The only thing that will save you is your relationship with the Lord as a Lord relationship and not a boss relationship. He's not your boss. He's your Lord. And we have to be completely dependent on him to scrape us off the sidewalk. If I can have the ushers and the band to come on up to the front. One final thought, one bit of, bit of homework is to really... Capture your mind. Are you spending more time complaining about stuff or are you spending more time being thankful for what you've given you? Some of us just need to start off on a very basic level and you just need to thank God that you, you actually walked in here today or rolled in here or however you got in here. You're in the building, okay? You need to be thankful for that instead of your lack. 
So some of it is just a very basic tweak of being thankful for what God has given you. Others, we just need to, we need to take this, this gratitude a bit deeper. Jesus healed 10 lepers. Only one came back. They were grateful in their heart. The nine were grateful in their heart. They had thanksgiving in their heart. They went in, they went into the gate, but they never bothered going into the court of praise. They never expressed it back to him. Does that make sense? It's a flippant attitude towards God's blessings in our lives when we don't express it back. Jesus made a point of it. Where's the other nine that I healed? I know they're thankful. They just haven't expressed it, have they? That's what he wants from us. That's what he's called us to. Let's pray. Father, right now, I just pray that uh, you'll receive our thankful hearts. And for those of us that need to adjust our attitudes, for those of us that uh, enter in the gates with griping and complaining, I pray that you will, you will bring us into repentance, God. God, for those of us that have, that have harbored issues of, of justice and I have a right to feel this way, they did me wrong, and, but I'm going to work on it. I'm going to be a better person. God, what we really need is re we need a repentant heart where we can literally turn away from those issues and those negativities and, and walk into your presence and into your kingdom and see the world the way that we need to see it with a transformed mind. Father, I pray that uh, that our giving will be a true expression of thankfulness. And not that we're paying dues or buying a movie ticket. It's because you've entertained us for the week but we will realize that every good gift comes from you. And this is my acknowledging of that good gift. I pray that you, you get us, get our hearts right in that area. Give us more testimony, give us more healing, give us more provision, God. But most of all, give us thankful hearts. In your name, amen.